lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and Ann, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you prefer the free speech alternatives to those uh, big tech censoring monstrosities, uh, look for Steve Dace on Gab, MeWe, and also Parler. If you're looking for clips of the show, which you can view for free, and then hopefully you'll share those with others, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. If you're looking for something that will help you uh, unwind uh, and and has some health benefits for you as well, you know, it's tough presiding over the end of Western civilization every day. We could all use a glass of wine and our friends over at Bonner private wine have some of the best. All three of us have tried a bottle of this. It's um, minus all the additives and sugars that you find in a lot of other wines these days. It is grown at extreme altitudes in Argentina, like 9,000 feet. All right. And it's it's just, guys, it, it just tastes really good. And there's a lot of health benefits to red wine like this as well. So if you'd like to give it a shot, premium Foreign imported wine, third highest vineyard in the world, 50% off if you go there today. Patriot Wine, 2021.com. That's the website. 50% off if you want to give it a shot. It's almost grilling season. Actually, for some parts of the country, it's warm enough to do that already. Uh, a good red wine with a good steak on the grill, right? I know you, yes. that's that's your speed, we right? We know. Absolutely. You want to check it out. Uh, PatriotWine2021.com. Get half off today when you go there to PatriotWine2021.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, we're going to finish uh, with Theology Thursday. We're going to finish our look at my most recent book here, A Nefarious Carol. We'll get into that. That's the sequel to A Nefarious Plot. Uh, we will also play our game of three non-political questions next hour. This hour, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to somebody fighting the battle for seniors in New York against Andrew Cuomo on behalf of those whom he has caused to suffer. We'll get into that at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of those things, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a couple of European countries who are further down the progressive rabbit hole than we are. Or are they? We'll start in Denmark, where the country announced recently it's planning to limit non-Western residents in poor areas to 30% of a given area's population. The new bill in Denmark is aimed at combating, quote-unquote, parallel societies. Meanwhile, in the United States, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked if the White House has any plans on capping illegal immigrant children on coming through the nation's southern border. Is there a limit or a cap to the number of unaccompanied minors that are going to be allowed into the U.S.? A limit or a cap? So should we send some kids who are 10 back at a certain point? Is that what you're asking me? In Sweden, check out this comparison between that country and the nation of Israel. This chart comes from Our World in Data. The chart shows new weekly ICU admissions for COVID per million. And despite Sweden having almost 10% more people aged 65 years or older and a much less vaccinated population, well, you can see how disastrously more ICU admissions Israel's had than Sweden. Then there's 
news, this from Stockholm, where an English-language online publication called The Local reports that a 13-year-old student at an international school in the city was sent home recently for wearing a mask. The boy, named Linus, decided to wear a face mask when he returned to classes at the British International School Stockholm on Monday when his teachers told him to take it off. The Stockholm region of Sweden currently recommends face masks on public transportation, but the country's public health agency says, quote, children do not need to wear face masks. It is difficult for children to handle and wear face masks the right way, and children are not the drivers of infection in this epidemic and do not spread infection in the same way as adults, end quote. Speaking of face masks and back stateside, Joe Biden climate envoy John Kerry was allegedly spotted in the first class section of an American Airlines flight without a mask. Kerry was neither eating nor drinking, and it's the first time in a long while Kerry has been on the side of science. Meanwhile, earlier this week, Spirit Airlines removed a four-year-old autistic boy along with his parents off of a flight for not wearing a mask. The boy's mother, Kelly Kimball, told CBS Little Rock affiliate KTVH-TV that Carter Kimball, quote, had a medical note from his physician stating that he's exempt from wearing masks because whenever he wears a mask, he holds his breath or he starts freaking out and he will harm himself and quote Spirit Airlines says it's changing its policy to allow for medical exemptions but there were no exemptions for what happened the boy's father paid a thousand dollars to get the family on a separate flight that would accommodate their needs Dr. Anthony Fauci says he's looking forward to being able to experiment on six-month-old babies with the vaccine for high school students it looks like they will be available to get vaccinated in the beginning of the fall very likely for the fall term. With regard to children, we're doing an AIDS de-es- uh, an age de-escalation study in elementary school children from 12 to 9, 9 to 6, 6 to 2, and two mo- six months to two years. We anticipate we'll have enough data to be able to vaccinate these younger children by the first quarter of 2022. Meanwhile, on the side of sanity, Naomi Wolf appeared on Tucker Carlson's show to slam big tech. You've been a very famous liberal for, I mean, over 30 years. And here you say this one thing. You basically threaten the game, the scheme that they're pulling, and they instantly do it to you. So it's at that point, you've got to think like nobody is safe from this. Well, it I, I can't deny that it's pretty shocking and it feels, you know, bullying and intimidating, even though, again, I don't have any uh, definitive proof that it's as a result of my talking to conservatives and calling for, you know, union. The fact that, you know, as I see it, unfortunately, my side, the Dems are kind of in an embrace with big tech to kind of consolidate power on social media and drown out conservative voices. It's not good for the country. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis made this announcement regarding education in his state. Florida civics curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. Let me be clear, there's no room Uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. 
A judge in Michigan has struck down a state directive that allows local election clerks to be very <coughs> flexible when reviewing signatures on Michigan absentee ballots. The decision doesn't apply to the recent 2020 election, of course, because it's over, but the case is significant because the policy from Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson apparently would have applied to future elections, too. And finally, this. A student at Virginia State University was out messing around with a basketball, showing people up with his skills. When the president of the university emerged from the building behind him to show him who's really boss. All right, Prez. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. We've been talking about Rough Greens for a while now. It's that powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food. That's got all the nutrients, vitamins, minerals, uh, omega oils, um, pro prebiotics likely missing from your pet's food, stripped out of there for mass production and consumption. Same thing that happens to our food. That's why we take supplements these days. Your pet needs one as well. Maybe though some of you are worried your pet just won't like it. Who knows? I mean, there's kind of one way to find out. Now, our pet loves it, but you know, Call the bluff. We'll give it to you for nothing. Get the 14-day jumpstart bag for free. You just pay for the shipping. The bag itself will just give it to you as long as you pay for the shipping right now to find out if you don't see not only a difference in your pet, but whether your pet likes the stuff or not. Go to roughgreens.com. That's all you got to do to take advantage of this offer. That's roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. Or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Coming up in the overtime later today for Blaze TV subscribers, which we will be recording after this program. Uh, right as we were getting set to go on the air, Rand Paul was absolutely drilling Anthony Fauci in some Senate testimony and exposed the premise of, of what, or the lack thereof, of what Fauci is using to guide uh, his guidance. This is going to be a very important conversation. We just didn't have time with it going on right as we were getting on the air to grab the clip and everything in real time. So we're going to do it today in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. It's important that you hear this conversation. The questions that Rand asks, these are the key kinds of questions in order to get to the heart of the matter for Anthony Fauci to expose what's really the driving impetus here. And Rand does that. And it leaves us with three options on the table for what's really transpiring here. We're going to get into all of that today in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber. Uh, if you're not yet one, get a discounted price so that you can watch that overtime today. If you're already one, just go to BlazeTV.com slash Dace later today. We'll have it uploaded for you after we do this show, and you'll be able to watch it at your convenience. All right, let's get to the rest, though, of what is in uh, Aaron's montage today. The, the clip of John Kerry, and as Aaron said, this is the first time in a long time that John Kerry has actually been on the side of science by sitting there without a mask. Um, they're not dragging him off a flight. And, and by the way, they shouldn't. 
It's flat earth voodoo, pseudoscience at best, projecting at best. And those are the best case options. The masks don't work. Chinese face diapers don't work. Okay. But if they're going to throw those poor Orthodox Jews off the back of a plane because they're uh, two, was a six month old, didn't want to wear a mask, or was it a two year old? I can't remember. It was still somewhere in the toddler range. Or a four year old because he's autistic. By the way, children aren't vectors for the virus. So there's no point to masking them. That's all just virtue signaling psychobabble. I mean, how old is John Kerry? He's in his 70s. Oh, isn't he's he? getting up yeah. there. Yeah. He's in a, he's, I mean, he's approach. he's, he's not approaching, he's deep within the most vulnerable demographic Correct. for COVID 19. Traveling around the country wearing a, not wearing a mask. I mean, is that, would, would that not be an act of domestic terrorism? One could say. And has. Uh, I, I mean, uh, so he doesn't get, you know, American Airlines, you and I flew that down to Dallas when Aaron went on his honeymoon back in January, right? Do you, do you remember the flight we had down there? Yeah, I the, felt like the, I got screwed with my pants on. Yeah, the, the Karen um, uh, flight attendant. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they must, they must have made seven announcements on that flight. And about if you masks. fall asleep and your mask's off, yes. we'll have to wake you up. Yes, I mean, even, dude, we were literally pulling up. Yeah. They taunted us one more time. Yeah, yeah, they did it. They dropped another one as we were pulling up to to uh, for the uh, uh, what's that thing? The air bridge, right? Yeah. yeah. They literally ran another disclaimer. I mean, America Airlines, man, they, they are they're mask holes. Okay. Public so, masturbators. I, I would agree. Yes, yes. Um, I'll stop there, uh, <laughs> but. Um, Aaron, do you have a hymn for this moment? Yes. The hymn is, these people are just, they just matter more than you. Yep. That's the hymn. These people just matter more than you. Karen wasn't going to approach the <coughs> climate czar, but you don't matter. You and your kid, your, your child, autistic, toddler, you don't matter. So we'll step to you. That, that's what that is about. And at a very basic level, by the way, that's what government by the consent of the governed is about. I got an email this morning from a guy uh, because I think this is the first example I've seen. There's a story in uh, a newspaper in Louisiana that LSU is considering making people, hey, we'll open the stadium up full bore, but you have to have proof of vaccine to come. Uh, that's, that's what LSU is deciding whether to do that or not. Now, this is Louisiana where you do have a Democrat governor, and he's more pro-life, frankly, than the vast majority of Republican governors are. So, I mean, I, it's Louisiana. If you guys are willing to take that, then that's on you. Frankly, all of this is on you and me. What are we willing to consent to? What are we willing to go along with? What does government by the consent of the governed mean? It means this, folks. If this is what you're willing to tolerate, you will always get as much tyranny as you are willing to tolerate. You'll always get as much tyranny as you are willing to allow. Does it feel like I've given this? I've given this couple talk times, before. Couple times. Couple times. Um, but that is the reality of this. If you're willing to comply, don't complain. You complied, or at the very least, complain as you're complying. 
But if you're just going to dutifully take these sorts of things, then I, there's no help for you. That's just the reality. That's what government by the consent of the governed means. I mean, it's it what it what, it's going to be ninety degrees at every LSU home game this year until we get to like mid November. If y'all are willing to sit out there in Death Valley, wearing a useless Chinese face diaper in ninety degree heat, that's on you, man. I I don't know what to tell you. I mean. If, Oh, no, I'm sorry, with the vaccines, my bad. It's the vaccines. If you're willing to say, hey, I, inject me with an experimental vaccine so that I can go to the game. Okay. I mean, don't complain. This applies to me, too. My family made the decision that, it, that this was our last chance, maybe. Now, it, it turned out to be the case. Our oldest is moving out here in a month. So this was our last chance to do a family vacation with all three kids. So we'd put up with the face diapers and the heat, although it wasn't as hot in November in Florida. So we made that decision. You know, I didn't complain and everything the whole time. I made the decision going in. I knew what the rules were going in. Okay. But if you know going in that you've got to get injected with an experimental substance to go to a football game and you're willing to put up with that, then there's nothing to complain about. You complied. Complain now. Because one thing is sure, if you don't complain, there is a separate standard for people more important or perceived to be more important than you. You learned that again yesterday. I, I, I just can't, I'm trying to imagine the parent that takes their six-month-old in to get injected with an experimental mRNA vaccine. They're everywhere. I, I, I just, I, 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 yes, let my child be your guinea pig. I, I don't, dude, literally, if it was the walking dead out there, then first of all, let's just skip the human child trials. Just inject me whatever we can. We're just trying stuff here, right? Sure. We're talking about something that is is really a, a 0, 0.0 risk of death or hospitalization for the overwhelmingly majority of this population. Why are you letting your children get experimented on? I, I just, I'm appalled at that. I find it appalling. Why did... Certain societies throw kids into volcanoes, Steve. It, it seems a little bit like that. For the well, for the greater good. I was told we'd get a better harvest this year, right? And we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Yep. And I was told that if I went down to the valley of Ben Hinnom and I threw my baby into the fire for Molech, that the other children would get blessed. Not just the other children in my family, but in my clan and in my nation, because we'd have a better harvest. So say we all. So say we all. That's essentially what you're doing, letting your kids get experimented on with these things. That's what you're doing. You're making all the same rationalizations, all the same arguments. For what? Something with a 1.7% case fatality rate, and 95% of those are for people over the age of 50. 
that that's what you're doing. You're, you're letting your kid just be a, a, a guinea pig. The, 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 the graphic that Aaron showed, I am fascinated by this. So, Sweden has about 21% of its population is considered elderly. About, what is it, 12% of Israel's, I believe? Or? 21 for Sweden, 12 for Israel. All right, so it is 12 for, 12 for Israel. So it's almost two to one. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Pretty close to two to one ratio. Um, only 10% of Swedes have been fully vaccinated. Israel's the most vaccinated country in the world per capita. Sweden has not had any form of lockdown. Um, last Late last fall, when their cases spiked, they did have curfews for mass public events and some limited um, at mass events, limited attendance, but like no other real form of lockdown. Restaurants, malls, all those things have been open this entire time. Schools. Um, they have one of the lowest mask compliance rates in the world. Something like 10% of the population wears masks in Sweden. So... Little to no lockdown. Israel, by the way, had the most draconian lockdowns probably in the civilized world. If not the most, they're in the conversation. And they've had waves of them, like three waves of lockdowns in Israel. So waves of draconian lockdowns. Almost half the elderly population. And per capita, the most vaccinated country in the world. So lockdowns, masks, high rate of vaccination, highest rate of vaccination. Draconian lockdowns, half the elderly population, other country with twice the elderly population, no real formal lockdowns, very low mass compliance, very low vaccination rate. One of these teams probably crushed the other, right, Steve? Yes, and it's not the team that you expected. Now, Sweden is adamant that they have not achieved some form of cultural herd immunity, And I just think it's fair if we're going to be intellectually honest, if we're going to follow Anders Tegnell and their epidemiology team there on when they when when they do stuff that we like, when they say, hey, we don't believe that we've actually successfully achieved herd immunity. I think we'd be intellectually dishonest, ignoring that. True. Okay. now we've talked, though, before there are such things as what's called herd immunity thresholds, meaning when you reach a you haven't achieved a level of of corporate immunity within an, within a community or culture from an outbreak, but you've reached the level where the outbreak has maxed out and reaches the point of diminishing returns, like what's gone on in Los Angeles County, for example, what I think is going on here in the United States. Uh, they might, I'm, I would be surprised if they've not hit one of those at the very least. Okay. So then how do we explain this? Well, you know, um, I've heard arguments that people don't, yeah, you guys don't like my Sweden, Michigan comparisons. The panic porn peddlers don't because higher obesity rate in Michigan. Okay. Well, Israel per capita has one of the, one of the youngest median ages of a population in the world. So that's not going to work here. Mandatory military compliance. So Absolutely. you have to meet fitness tests. Absolutely. Yep. There's another. There's one there's another explanation for this. So 
we can't use herd immunity. Sweden's own team that's running their system won't won't acknowledge that. So we we, we why would we presume to know more about what the whether Sweden is is at herd immunity than their own epidemiology team? So that's off the table. Um, you can't talk about the obesity problem or anything between Sweden and Israel compared to say Sweden and uh, a highly populated state in the U S that mitigating factors off the table. There's another possibility here and there may be other possibilities, but here's one, here's one. The mitigation efforts actually make it worse. No, the mitigation efforts make it worse. Um, locking people away from the sun from from activity, from vitamin D, locking them away from those things. Taking the healthiest immune systems, those who have been previously infected, taking them off the board makes it worse. Vast majority of transmissions of this virus are indoors and intrafamilial. Therefore, it only makes sense to lock everybody indoors with their families. Um, that's an ex- that's a possible that's that's at least a in my view a testable hypothesis when you compare Sweden and Israel if we're going to say if Sweden is going to be adamant we have not achieved herd immunity in Sweden if they're going to be adamant about that we we have to respect that we can't say hey they told the truth here but then lied there we're not doing that on this show if our narratives aren't congruent and if the premise and the application and the conclusion don't add up on our show, we abandon narratives. Other shows, if you want that stuff that'll, you know, um, uh, tickle your backside, go find them. We won't do that here. So we can't make a herd immunity claim. Sweden won't allow us to do that. Fair? Fair. Okay. So we can't make that claim. And we, 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 I, we could infer from the data they've hit some form of herd immunity thresholds, but it doesn't explain. If, they're, if they haven't achieved a full herd immunity, it... It does not explain this massive chasm of data between the two countries. So, we have to look for some outlier rationales. One of them would be the mitigation efforts, including the masks, make it worse. Stifling the respiratory systems of the healthy makes it worse. Locking the healthy and those who have uh, have recovered away makes it worse. Masking children so that their little germ factories of an immune systems become compromised makes it worse. Did because I, because one more point that no, I'll throw no, to you. Of course. Because if we're talking about a low median age in Israel, that means they would have a high propensity of what? <clears throat> who's got who's got younger children people in their 20s or 30s or people in their 40s or 50s 20s and 30s. 20s and 30s so you have a lot of i would imagine with a younger adult population more they're more inclined to have small children that, that's i think that's a hypothesis that needs to be tested the the mitigation efforts efforts not only did not work sweden not only proved they don't work but does the comparison of sweden and israel show that they actually make things worse. Go ahead, talk. Well, I know Aaron wants to say something. I just want to echo your statement about compromised immune systems because of the masks. My second, I had another teenage daughter, so this is now two day teenage daughters who have had two cases 
not one, but two cases of strep throat uh, this year. Guess how many cases any of my four daughters yep. ever had of strep throat before this year? Yep. The answer is zero. We took Zoe in to get strep tested a week ago, and the doctor at the clinic said they have had more strep cases than they've ever seen. You don't say, Steve. Indeed. You still breathing all that bacteria in all day long is not good for the kids, maybe. Weird. Huh. Here's another way to look at this as well. Per capita, who do you think on a yearly basis has access or more access to vitamin D? Um, Stockholm or Tel Aviv? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good one yet, too. Yeah. Yet, yeah. what we just talked about. Uh, somebody living uh, pretty close to the equator in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem or somebody who's up in the Nordic uh, countries of, uh, of, of Sweden. It's going to be the people until so then why, why, why such a difference? An older population in Sweden, as we just talked about as well. What would explain the difference there? I, I bet Lord Fauci has a really crafty answer for that area. Yeah. Just, just, let, let me let me quantify what you just pointed out, brother, because you just made a great point. There are regions of Israel who have in any given year a high a high day their highest daily average temp is in the triple digits. Like the highest daily average temp anywhere in Sweden is like 78 degrees. Doesn't mean it doesn't get warmer than that. Okay, we're just talking about what the daily average temperature is. It's like 78 in Sweden. It's over 100 in some parts of Israel. Just to kind of further quantify what you were pointing out there, Aaron. We'll come back. Andrew Cuomo uh, is on the chopping block next. You know, when it comes to credit, a lot of us think it's just as simple as anything above 700 is great. Below that is a problem. That's not necessarily the case. And March is National Credit Awareness Month. And credit awareness is what ScoreMaster does every month. It's the new science and credit scores. And what it does is it puts the power of the information of why you truly have the score you have and then how you can truly get to the score you want into your hands and not just the lenders out there and that makes a big difference how big of a difference well the average score master user can add about 60 points to their score in about three weeks or less sometimes if you're in a really good situation or you know what you're doing or you can do it right away maybe even in just a few days that makes a big difference and whether you not only can get approved for that home auto or business loan but even if you can get approved what kind of repayment terms you can save a ton of money interest points things of that nature as well plus employers are more often looking at credit scores uh, for reviewing candidates too so if you want to find out how to get control of your credit score uh, scoremaster will do it for you in about one minute to see how many plus points you can add when you go to scoremaster.com slash steve it's your score so you should be in control of it scoremaster.com slash steve again that is scoremaster.com slash steve well of course we have spent a good deal of time on this show uh, for going on a year now, tragically, talking about what went on, the heinous actions of Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York, the lives that were lost. And now that's part of the maelstrom that surrounds him and his embattled administration. There is a group that is trying to stand up for those who have been largely forgotten particularly because there's now an effort to get rid of Andrew Cuomo, not necessarily because of what he has done uh, to the seniors of New York, 
but because of sexual harassment allegations, which of course are true as well, but it's a much preferable way for a political party to get rid of, uh, take the trash out to the curb, than say the deaths of potentially thousands of elderly on their hands as well. Vivian Zayas joins us. Uh, she is with a group that is attempting to provide some voices for these seniors. And she's also, I, I learned recently, just a few minutes ago, a fan of the show. And we want to welcome her uh, to joining us today. Vivian, thank you very much for being with us. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. You bet. It's an honor to have you here too. Tell us a little bit about your story and, 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 and where Voices for Seniors came from. Voices for Seniors started with my sister and I days after we lost our mother. My mother, who never had surgery before, we had to convince her that if she had surgery, she would be back in her house only um, maybe months after rehab. It took a turn for the worse when she just didn't um, get better soon. So the hospital recommended she go to this facility called Our Lady of Consolation in West Islip. We didn't... Um, think anything of it because it was only supposed to be three weeks and my mother was not going to become a statistic because I was visiting her every day she was improving she enjoyed the therapy and only when the insurance red tape kind of dragged on and I believe that's when the COVID started creeping its uh, its legs into the facilities when they shut the facility and we became panicked we were like okay well we didn't want her to get COVID at her apartment. We figured she'd be safe in a facility that's expertise was seniors. And we kept calling her every day. We told our family, please call her, keep her hopes up. Um, in the meantime, we were in the backdrop calling the facility to get her out. And we just didn't know that two and a half weeks after the shutdown, my mother would be dead. And um, we've been in a fight ever since. We are fighters. She taught us to be fighters. And we wanted just accountability for her. We just had no idea that it was a nationwide issue, particularly in New York. We take that to mean your mother's uh, care facility was one of the ones that readmitted uh, those who were COVID positive per the governor's directive? Yeah, they locked me out from the front door and put COVID positive patients in the back door. I, I just, first of all, just sorry for under any circumstances for, for losing your mom. But I, yeah. I just, I, I can't even imagine how I would react in a, in a, in a situation like this. When, uh, when did you guys first become aware of his policy and what had been done? My mother died April 1st, and I always say that it was April Fool's Day, but the April Fool was me. And ever since then, I'm, I've been trying to find out what happened to my mom. Was it an isolated incident? We put a Facebook post on the facility's Facebook page warning others, saying there's COVID in here, get your families out. What happened is that we had no idea that they actually pulled the post down. So they didn't want anyone to know. Wow. My mother didn't speak a lot of English. So I'm thinking no one told her in Spanish, hey, you may have been exposed. Even though they took, a, I think a, an infectious disease doctor saw her on March 25th, the date of Cuomo's mandate. And basically basically said that she, there were some droplet precautions. So no one called us to say, hey, she may have been exposed to COVID. We're not sure if it's COVID. Um, it could have been a bad cold, yet no one said a word. So after she died, 
we started asking lawyers like, you know, can you help us look into this? You know, was there negligence? Was there foul play? Um, the fact that they didn't tell us that my mother was gravely ill. They, they kept telling us to the end that she was fine. And even when I couldn't speak to her and her voice was really garbled, I panicked and I said, listen, you would tell me if something's wrong with my mother. And they were like, sure. Yeah, we would. But they never said a word only when she was supposed to be discharged. So my mom was supposed to go home March 30th and when I was making the logistical arrangements to take her home and she wouldn't answer the phone, I'm like, my mother should be excited to go home. There's no reason she wouldn't answer her phone. That's when our alarm bells started ringing. My sister and I really went into a panic and um, we've been fighting since. And when we found out that the, the governor had put in a mandate, not only covering nursing homes, but, but the hospitals, we were dumbfounded and no lawyer would talk to us. And, we were just trying to pick up the pieces. We're a, a year later, stronger, smarter, wiser, and um, have more dignity than our governor does. Um, and we want to basically show that we care about the 15,000 seniors that died. Plus, we always say it's 15,000 plus because we have no idea how many seniors died. And um, we know of personal families that have said that their number, their family members are not counted. I am swallowing bile listening to this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, don't be sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry this happened to families like yours and thousands of others. This is, and it wasn't, this isn't even the only state where this occurred in. I mean, there were six states no. that deployed, at least that deployed this policy. But Correct. Uh, this is one of the most heinous acts of government I have ever seen. In my career and let's face it this is not really a banner time for 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 government accountability transparency and confidence uh among the american people so the bar is already very very low how have how what has it taken vivian to get to this point of forming this group to to get into contact with outlets like ours you've talked to other media too i mean what how much how, how hard has it been to get people to come forward, to speak out, over the, to get to this point in the past year? Nursing homes are bad on good days. And we have had to fight, basically. Um, we don't have a platform. We just have us families. We've been fighting since May 1st is when we started the group. And when I got my mother's um, cremated ashes the day before Mother's Day, my first rally was on Mother's Day, the next day after I received her ashes. And I've never held a rally. And we, we were um, sounding the alarm with the media, and no one would talk to us. No one cared. And even now, it's so hard that the, the media, the narrative keeps shifting between the sex scandals and the nursing homes, but it, it it's not as sensational as the sex scandals. It's no, no one really cares about you know people who are already on their way out. Um, why would I why would I expect our governor to care when he signs a bill approving the death of babies in the nine months? So why would he care if people are already on their way out who are drained to our Medicare Medicaid system anyway? Um, I was reading and researching how basically rehabbing seniors or other people that had COVID, they were not tested for COVID, they could not say they were COVID, were put in rehab facilities, not with the long-term residents. In most cases, with the rehabbing facilities, like my mom, who were there for knee surgeries, neck surgeries, any kind of other issues with legs and wounds. So these people were not necessarily people that were long-term residents, but in the most cases, people with just 
average issues. My mother's memory was better than mine. And we expected her to live for many more years as my uncles are in their 90s and she was only 78. You know, the reason, Vivian, that they want to pivot to the sex scandals is because yeah. they can blame that on him unilaterally. They can say, hey, he committed those acts individually to violate these women or to pressure these women uh, to violate them. Uh, but they can pin that directly and individually upon him. This edict of his, as heinous and immoral and, and disastrous as it was, he can't carry this out in a state as vast as yours, with a population as vast as yours, with as many elderly as New York has. He can't carry this out on his own. It requires infrastructure to go ahead and bring that COVID into those long-term facilities. It requires infrastructure on a county and a local public health level in order to implement this. When I'm sure they received calls from doctors and nurses at local county health boards or public health, city health boards. Hey, are we sure we want to do this? Yeah, yes, meaning that if he goes down for this and in, in a mass layer of bureaucracy in your state that went ahead and implemented this sight unseen without really challenging it in any meaningful way, they all go down too. So the sex scandal is just a, a much more convenient way for him to go down alone. If Cuomo goes down for the nursing home issue, then we have to look at the other governors who followed the same policy. Mm -hmm. um, we want to be um, shocked by it, but there's a standing order to put COVID positive patients in the home of the disabled that was never rescinded and has killed over 550 disabled people. And we're just trying to figure out why um, he would ever think of putting it with the most vulnerable when that's what he was saying the entire time, that we shut down, ruined our economy to protect the, the most vulnerable in essence. And now here we are that we're finding out that he actually you know, put them in himself. So the fire that, dry, that went through the dry grass, you know, now we're here one year later trying to figure out basically the wreckage are our legislators and our leaders curious enough to know to look into what happened not just in new york but basically nationwide can we use this as an opportunity to protect our seniors going forward uh, one day i would suspect that i'm going to be a senior because no one says i want to die early and i'm hoping that people become more and more aware and more and more engaged in this topic because it affects us all and um, unfortunately we cannot save my mom we cannot save the fifteen thousand or more seniors that died but we can do something for the future and uh, for the present because there are seniors still dying today and i continue to argue and say that there are seniors who died but for this strict shutdown that i have seen seniors and their families dying through this whole year, waiting for the doors to open, and they've died through failure to thrive. And it's 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 a it's a shame. I've seen photos that will be in my heart ingrained forever of the abuse and neglect that our seniors go through. Just heartbroken to hear this. I'm much more comfortable discussing it in the volume of cases as a politically and morally when you make when it gets personal, though, folks, and you hear. We start putting names on who those thousands are. It's gut-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. What can our audience, how can they help? What can they do for people like you, Vivian? Well, amazingly, it's been a year since I've been able to put my eyes and my arms around my mom. 
and uh, the families need the support. We have a website called VoicesForSeniors.com. Those families that are near New York, we have an event next Thursday to promote, um, the basically to celebrate the mandate and, and to commemorate the seniors that lost their lives due to the 325 mandate. So we also have a, uh, an event website that will link you to our website called 15,000 Plus. And we look forward to um, many of your audience to join us on our website. You can sign up to get updates. Um, we have our predominant group on Facebook, but we're also on MeWe. And, and we just need the support because this can happen to anyone. I never imagined it would happen to me. And, um, and we just don't want it to happen to anyone. And it happened in at least five other states that we know of. So if you're in That's one correct. of those states, Michigan, my old home state where I grew up, for example, um, it, it, you can model the effort out of what Vivian and people like her have done in New York and, and piggyback off of that uh, to get some answers and accountability and justice in your state as well. Vivian, one more time, give out the names of those websites, please. Well, we have chapters in every state, so you can join us there, but www.voicesforseniors.com or if it's easier, 15,000plus.com. God bless you. I can't even imagine the ordeal that your family has been through. And if there is anything more we or this platform at The Blaze can do to help get justice for families like yours, by all means, do not hesitate to ask. Okay? Thank you. Thank right. you so much. You I bet. Take it. care. God bless. See that? That, that will make you very angry. Very angry. Thoughts on that conversation? Well, there but for the grace of God, I, I, I missed out on potentially having that experience by a mere two weeks. I My father died. He was not in good health. He may have died from COVID. He died, again, uh, two weeks before um, all of this went down. Just the lockdowns past, went down. Yeah, yeah. Just, just past the anniversary. I, I, if I had to deal with what she did, I'd be in jail. So God bless you for carrying it on the way you're doing it, being productive. I, I probably would have been much less productive. Um, so, yeah, when Steve talks about anger, good grief. I, I'm with you, sister, and I'll be fighting with you till the end. Going to be able to tell a, a heck of a lot about the health of any culture, by the way. It treats its, its real most vulnerable people. Andrew Cuomo has failed at both ends of the spectrum when, you know, um, just a few years ago was the late birth abortion bill uh, or late term abortion, I should say, abortion bill. And then this it's it shouldn't be shocking, but it is because it's one thing if it's a baby that you can't talk, you can't see. Um, but it's another when there are people who are with us and have been with us. The people that gave birth to you. The people that, exactly, gave birth to you. And um, and your reaction is just stone cold. That's, yeah, anger is not, anger is not a sufficient word for for the way anybody, anybody should be feeling or thinking after after listening to that testimony. Good time for us to take a break, frankly. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Theology Thursday coming your way to lead off our number two next year on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Stay tuned.
We are back. Hour number two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you are would rather... Uh, be a part of the free speech alternatives to those platforms. Look for my name, Steve Dace, on MeWe, on Parler. I'm now hearing that Parler is not letting new people sign up. Did you guys know this? Uh, no, well, I think not I heard that. something about it, okay. but I haven't followed up. Because I've on been it. besieged. Because I've been making sure that all of our COVID stuff is is posted at Parler. Well, I guess I and heard now that I've it got was people a... telling me I can't sign up there. They're not taking new accounts. So, Permanently? Huh? Like, like it, it's not just like a temporary glitch while we're i don't know i just i've I've gotten legions of emails about this the last several last week or so i would say so it looks like we can also post all of that um uh, covid stuff you guys keep asking me can you post uh, post this on your facebook wall no i can't folks i can't do it they'll just ban it or you won't see it anyway if it gets past if it gets past their sensors and they don't take it down uh, they'll just make it that it doesn't show up in your feed unless you come and physically visit the page. So no, that, that it just won't work. Um, and it's their house, so I guess they get to do what they want with it. MeWe, though, looks like I can post all this COVID stuff there. It's just we have a much smaller following there than Parler, but they're taking new people, so you can follow us on MeWe to get like that graphic that Aaron had in his montage. It is up on both our Parler and MeWe pages right now. Uh, comparing Sweden and Israel with ICU um, patients from the beginning of the pandemic until now. And all of the statistical data we cited of the elderly population and everything else, that's all included in that graphic. So you can go get that yourself right now uh, over on our MeWe page or on Parler. Just look for Steve Dace at either of those pages. If you are looking for clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others, Aaron, I'm thinking maybe we need to take that interview and break it out Absolutely. Uh, today for everybody to see so you can share uh, so everyone can see what happens when a soulless individual like Andrew Cuomo makes decisions in a crisis and it costs people their loved ones. Uh, if you want to watch that clip later today or any other clips of the show, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash steve day show and if you are a podcast listener thank you we appreciate all of you please though show your appreciation for us in return hit that subscribe button give us a five-star review that would 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 work for us on whichever podcast platform you prefer stitcher itunes uh, amazon spotify etc etc the more of those we get though the more it helps the show to grow not to mention it also pleases our overlords down there in Dallas. So thank you to the thousands of you that have done those two things for us already. Let's get to Theology Thursday, brought to you by Built Bar. Just had my chocolate chip cookie dough chunk Built Bar here during the noon commercial break. Over 20 flavors, all covered in real chocolate. You don't have to make the choice between delicious and healthy anymore. It's the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. And it's certainly the most nutritious candy bar you've ever tried. I mean, it's not a candy bar. You're going to think it is, though, with the texture and the taste. But when you look at the back, 160 calories or less, up to 20 grams of carbs, I'm sorry, of protein, up to 20 grams of protein, three to five grams of carbs. Didn't mean to freak anybody out there, okay? Uh, But if you are low-cal, low-carb, low-sugar, whichever lifestyle you're looking for, 
this is the product that you are looking for, especially if you've got a sweet tooth like me. So staying disciplined in those areas gets more difficult. This is the substitute you're looking for. Can I say that you gave me a couple of these because my daughters are yeah. looking for a new protein bar. They tried them last night. They're in. I'm, I'm not steering I'm, I'm you wrong, right? I knew you wouldn't, but... So, uh, if, you know... They're in. You know, especially if I go all in for something, like I am on this, I mean, I'm all in. I'm all in on Do 7, okay? I mean, if they came out with a Built Bar f- uh, flavor, Do 7 offsuit, I'm all in. It's going to be great. I'm all in, okay? there. Uh, this product is phenomenal. Try it right now. Get 15% off uh, at... What flavors I give you guys? I give you guys the mint brownie, right? There was right? a mint one. And, I, uh, the tr- and one of the cookie dough ones. So you got cookie uh, dough and yes. mint brownie, yeah. All right, so go to uh, BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com. Use my last name, Dace, as the promo code. Get 15% off. That's D-E-A-C-E. Promo code Dace at BuiltBar.com for 15% off. Well, we're in the midst of a a three-part series here on Theology Thursday. I just got an epiphany last week that I wanted us, because we went through some really dark material for several uh, months with a nefarious plot. I wanted us to to come up with some stuff that maybe was a little more edifying and encouraging, right? A little more of the light than the dark. So we talked about that last week. We went off. We kind of went off the grid for that. This week we're going to conclude my uh, book, A Nefarious Carol. If you haven't read the book yet, you can still get your copy today. By the way, at uh, Amazon.com, if you'd like. If you haven't read the book yet, you may be like, "What do you mean?" I mean, it's this is the sequel to a nefarious plot. Well, it doesn't have doesn't have the kind of ending. Uh, that a nefarious plot has. So this will also have a redemptive, uh, this will also be a redemptive conversation here this week. And then next week, to conclude this series, I've got something, I think, kind of special planned. These guys don't even know about it yet. All right. So that'll be next week's Theology Thursday. But let's conclude the final chapter of the novella sequel to a nefarious plot, a nefarious carol. Just to set the stage now, this chapter is titled The Close. Off the heels of his disciple, Lord Nefarious's successful takedown of the United States, the devil has decided to now use America as the launching pad for the final stage of his master plan for global dominion. But he needs a bride, someone that will give birth to his Antichrist for him. He comes upon uh, a scared young woman who is running away from a drug-dealing abusive boyfriend and previously ran away from a dysfunctional Christian family. She's by herself, not really a penny to her name, in a seedy motel room. Over the course of one evening at Christmas time, they go back and forth as he attempts to woo her. He has now made his pitch, and she must now make her choice. Well, the last chapter ended, as we discussed uh, last time, with a vision of utopia led by the son of of the devil and Ray. So that's what she's, that's the, the weight of the pitch. She's actually been given a look, a taste, a feel of what that's like. When when you change the world, when our son changes the world, here's what it will look like. And just think it's, it wasn't theoretical. This, you're the, the touch, the interaction between the two, it's very, very visceral. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's intimate. Yes. It's very intimate. Mm -hmm. So that's what you, it's like, like she basically has, you know, cocaine coursing through her veins right now. She's in the middle of that addiction. So to resist this at this point, it makes it seem like the close is almost inevitable. Now, thinking about that, remember what Steve said earlier today when we were talking about, and he's talked about for how long now? He actually said it that way. How long have I been talking about this? You're only going to take as much of this as you are willing to accept. 
Well, this involves the devil's pitch in this chapter. Because he says to her, here's the problem. You guys don't give yourself enough credit. And even Ray, after seeing that vision, she, she's still like, well, wait a second, hold on. You've been talking about us meat, stupid meatbags, how much we suck. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you know, that's true too. But you suck because you keep just doing your own retcon, thinking you're all that, relying on yourself and your plans. And here's the thing. If you really want to give yourself credit, here's what you need to do. You need to make, you want to talk about your choice? Killing babies is just the beginning. Your choice needs to be enslaving yourself to what is objectively real power. Making that choice, aligning yourself to it. Here it is. You were made to be ruled. Mm -hmm. Just do the math. That's how you'll be cool. One plus one equals two. One plus one equals hell. It's obvious. Everything else that you do leads to a certain kind of hell for you, but with none of the advantages. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you all the perks. Just make the choice and be ruled. Quite frankly, I don't even have that many. I have more notes, but not as many notes as I often do because we're here in the end game now. And I'm pretty sure I can just pitch this to you because this is this is the whole point of hell. What what's happened here is darkness, as we've pointed out in this program before, the darkness had never had any intention of sharing space with the light. It just claimed that that's what it was willing to do until it thought it had the foothold. It had dominance. That sounds familiar. And then once it did, hey, four legs good, two legs bad becomes mm. four legs good, but two legs are now even better. And they looked from man to pig and pig to man and back to pig again. And they couldn't tell which was which. So the whole, now that the scam of um, keep things in the gray, are you, you know, you reject absolutes. Now that that's gone, this has really been about reject the other absolutes. It's never been about um, adopt the gray. It's been object the other or reject the other claim on light and right. So that then ultimately you will accept a new one. The enemy now is saying, hey, look at your history. Your entire history is fraught with attempts to rule one another. These are your, you guys are acknowledging in your own self-destructive way Mm -hmm. that you were made to be ruled. He is giving an epistle here like Paul in the New Testament. He says, you will be a bondservant to something, either your your sin or to Christ, but you will be a servant a slave to something. It'll just be one or the other. Choose which one it is. He's making the exact same pitch. And what he and, and and so the lie to get us to reject God was he's holding you back. You could have so much more fun, so many more experiences, so much more knowledge if you just reject him. But see, then the problem is what fills that space? When that void is created, what fills that space? And the devil is saying, hey. Look at all the destructive things you guys have done to yourselves throughout history by rejecting God. It's it's not that you just need to reject God. You need to reject God as God. But then you're going to need, you're going to need a new God. A better God. A superior God. And the enemy is saying, I have one of those in mind. And it's me. That's the pitch that he's making. 
And in making that pitch, you've also caused a lot of problems, not by just by rejecting a God, but also by following the God. Look at all, you, you say you follow him, it still leads to war, it still leads to bloodshed, it still leads to hate. And here's, this is where he makes a finer point on things. If you really want to reject God, you must replace him. You already led to that. But the, the son, the son of Ray and the devil here, he will cancel out sin by acknowledging that God exists. Not pretending he doesn't, by acknowledging God exists and choosing a different path anyway, because, and here it is, God really isn't good. Yes. He's there. Yep. He's powerful. Yes. He has rules, but none of it's good. And that's really, you can see Ray from the beginning, the tension of her upbringing. She, that's instilled in her. She Much of the direction she's gone on because she says, you were supposed to be good to, with her parents. You were supposed to, yes. uh, and you weren't. Yes. And that's frustrating You're connecting people. all the dots here. Yes. Uh, and so once that's off the table, God, yep. hey, I got news for you, sister. God's not really good. Yep. So then that makes it's just try move, move over to my side of things because uh we're not going to we're not going it, to it's a virtue signal. That's yes. basically what it Remind, was. Remember from his perspective he's not the wrong one. He's not the evil one. Mm-hmm. All right, he's the one pitching freedom, liberation. Mm-hmm. That that that's what he believes he is doing, okay? And and that's ultimately the pitch. And now that he has now that he has a connection with Ray, now that he is which is the name of our heroine, now that he has gone into her past and given her reasons, gone into her present and given her purpose, and then showed her the future in order to offer her mission. All right? Now, now, he, now he can really, in his, in, in, in his warped way, pierce the veil here, tear back the holy of holies and, and really let her in on the covenant that's uh, or unholy of unholies and, and let her in on the covenant that's really being offered. Which is, your ultimate power is not to rule yourselves. You can't. And you have made upteen disastrous decisions on this planet trying. And Ray's exhausted at this point. Yes. And she doesn't yes. really want to yes. anymore. You're, what you've done is you've chosen the wrong ruler. Yeah. All right? You guys can't rule yourselves, and God isn't good enough. All right? He puts stipulations on you you can't live up to, demands and expectations on you that you can't fulfill. He's not good enough to be your ruler. You need somebody who is superior to you, but understands you at the exact same time. You need me. That's the pitch. Well, and Ray is ready to take it. And again, she's exhausted. She knows she can't do it. That's why she's in this room. And this being the cell, uh, it's... It's it's really game set match. She's going to take it, but during this chapter, she's hearing a voice that she initially dismisses, but increasingly comes to understand in amongst this entire conversation with the devil that it, that's not the devil's voice, and it finally becomes clear at this crucial moment, and it turns out to be her father, and the very first uh, words that she specifically, before it's just a voice she thinks she hears, but the very first word she hears. And this is like, I mean, find a model in your head, but it's, you know, it's, it's the good version of the Thanos snap in terms of the power it clearly has. But what he says is, Ray, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Why, with the weight of the pitch that takes you to hell, why was that 
what needed to be said to bring light in. Because he could have said anything. Dad was there knocking at the door. I'm knocking this door down. This, that. He said, Ray, I'm sorry. What we want the most and need the most, we also resent that we want and need the most. Which is forgiveness. I'm not entitled to it, so let me just continue on the path that I'm on. And and then... I don't want to be on this path and it can't be me that's wrong. I shouldn't, it can't be me that requires forgiveness. So let me just decide that it's really God that needs forgiveness. That's really Don Lemon's argument on The View the other day, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with me and my desires. I'm not, why fight them? It's natural. It's producing uh, pleasure and peace and joy in my life. So then either God must be wrong or your view of God must be wrong, right? And that act of humility, that act of humility, you know, when God says for us to humble ourselves, he's not asking something of us that he hasn't done himself. He left paradise. He put himself into human form. He lived for nine months in utero in a Jewish girl's um, womb. womb. He he nursed on her nipple. He was potty trained by her. God literally crapped his pants. Had to be changed. Had to be taught how to read, how to speak, how to worship. He set aside all of that divinity. Why? To be with us. So when God asks us to humble ourselves for him, he's not asking anything of us that he hasn't already done for us. He already has done those things. He did those things for us. He took on the death you and I should have died, the punishment you and I deserved. And he didn't lash back, lash out, seek vengeance, If there is a word that I, if one word would describe Christ, to me, those words would be humility, meekness, from womb to tomb. Now, when he walked out of that tomb, game on, okay? But from womb to tomb, for, it, for the law to be fulfilled, for it to be finished or accomplished, required humility, meekness. He modeled that. That's what he asks of us. What Ray is witnesses for the very first time from her father. She heard a lot of preaching. And then she, as she got older, saw with her own eyes, mom and dad could not live up to the soliloquies and sermons and homilies they were given to her in the house. So she rebelled. This is the first time the father pursues her, comes to her, seeks her out. And then when then the first thing he does when she acknowledges you have my attention is he humbles himself before her. And to have the father humble himself before you humbles you because you recognize I'm the I'm 
I'm the underling in this relationship. I'm the daughter. I'm the child. And if the father is humbling himself before me, that's humbling to me. That shows me stuff's about to get real here. This is, this is on. It's for real. That's why that connection is made. Well, I've got one more thing. I mean, we've got about, I don't know, eight minutes, and then I'm just going to get out of the way and you bring it home, uh, your book. Uh, but here, then, the devil now realizing this thing is getting away from him. So it's like kitchen sink, everything, throwing it all against the wall. Because a little light has broken through. Oh, yes. And he's had, it's been totally dark. Yes. A little light now, there's a crack of light. Mm -hmm. And now, just a little light, just like a little leaven ruins the whole batch. A little light dispatches all the dark. He's desperate mm -hmm. now. All right. Now, suddenly, for the first time in this entire conversation, he feels like he might be on the defensive. So he goes to work with one last trick. Talks about, I've always been honest with you. I've, I've never lied to you. But he starts working on the heart of the girl who's guilt-ridden about having an abortion, about killing yes. her own yes. baby and yep. the voice of their son, uh, the one between the devil and Ray, the, the one who's supposed to rule over utopia, comes, mommy, mommy. You know, it, it, it again, you, you, it makes it seem as if, I, I hope a movie is made of this because this coming through, the power of it in a sense of the kind of movies that I know you like where Christian horror, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. But there's just a fantastic, fantastic line where, where Ray grabs onto that sliver of light instead of the darkness and she just says, your honesty sucks. <laughs> yeah. To that, I think you need to tell the audience what happens the rest of the way. Well, you're right. See, what's happening here is, is at the end, a trial for the redemption of Ray is taking place. Both the father, and this is both, this is both literal and metaphorical. It is Ray's real dad, but there's a metaphorical event happening too. So it is her real dad, but there's a reason why he's referred to, you know, as the father. Okay. The father and the enemy are both offering Ray redemption. What the enemy is offering her, his version of redemption is a form of vindication. You were right to kill the first child. You weren't ready to be a parent yet, but now you are. And look how great the kid that you're ready to raise will be because you're ready. All of that, all of the leverage in that redemptive offer all rests with whom? Ray. It's all about Ray. It's all about her. The redemption Ray needs more than anything comes from the father. That, because that's the plumb line. That's why am I here? What's the point of all of this? That's the plumb line there. So yeah, the character is her literal dad, but it, 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 I'm using him as a metaphorical device at the exact same time. In the book, the father stands at the door and knocks. He knocks. You know, where, do I, where did I get this language from? Because what Ray wants more than anything else, and if it's not really offered to her sincerely, she'll take the bastardized, bastardized version, the self-justification masquerading as redemption, and take the offer from the enemy. But this is the first time ever, and the first time she has really been willing to listen to it, that she's been offered the redemption and restoration she wants the most. 
And that can only come from the Father. And so when, when absent the real thing, the counterfeit looks pretty real. But when the real thing shows up, the counterfeit, that's when she says to him, your honesty sucks. When the real thing shows up, the counterfeit cannot hold its jockstrap. It's just infrequently do we permit or acknowledge the real thing to or acknowledge it when it does show up. We, we take our light and hide it under a blanket, under a bushel. The last line of the book, you know, I, I've told the story at the beginning where the idea for this book came from. The last line came in that kind of vision I woke up with it that morning, that the last line of the book would be Ray breaks free of the darkness, opens the door. So the father stands at the door and knocks. Ray finally answers the door, opens it, and searing light comes through. Because in her mind, it was dark all night long. This went on all night long. It actually went on well into the night, well into the next day. But she was so enveloped with the darkness that until the father knocked at the door, the light just was not present. But when she opened the door, it's like when you go to a movie theater in the summertime and you're sitting in that dark room for a couple of hours, right? And then you walk out and open the door and it's just like, oh man, okay? That's what it was like for Ray to walk out. And, the, and she's shocked to see the sun Again, if you get the metaphor here, she is shocked to see the sun and how brightly it shines. And she says to the father, it was, I thought it was so dark. And then the last line of the book, which was always going to be the last line, because it was the last line that I had in the original vision for it. It was never dark out. It was only dark in. The answers we're seeking are not inside of ourselves. What's inside of ourselves is the darkness. The answers we're seeking are outside of ourselves. We cannot find purpose and mission and forgiveness and redemption inside of ourselves. If we could, we wouldn't be desirous of redemption and forgiveness in the first place. We'd already be complete on our own, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't feel like something's missing. Something, this is insufficient in some way. If all those things already existed within us, we wouldn't be out there seeking them. The fact that we make disastrous choices seeking seeking these things is is really a tacit admission. We just refuse to admit it explicitly, but it's a tacit admission that these things are not within us. We're not whole. We're not complete on our own. It's going to take a little bit more than follow your heart. Doesn't mean following your heart sometimes is a bad thing, provided it's leading you down the right road. But Ray had to get outside of herself to get her attention, to get her to look outside of herself. The father had to come to her The father had to leave where he was. Come to where she is. 
humble himself before her. And that's what got her attention. To get the metaphor here. And this all takes place at what time of year? Christmas time? What do we commemorate at Christmas time? God left where he was. Put himself in human form where we couldn't get to where he was. Ray's first thought at the beginning of the book, can I go home when I'm running away from this abuse? No, I won't be welcomed there. I've done too many bad things and I don't, I've done too many bad things and I don't trust my dad. I don't trust my father to accept me. I don't trust him to be honest with me and I've done too many bad things anyway. So she runs further and further and further away. No, the father leaves at Christmas time where he was, comes to where she is, humbles himself before her, you know, like a child born in a manger in a stable in the dead of night on the poor side of town God comes to us and in that darkness a little light shines called the heavenly host and it overwhelms the darkness you get where I didn't I didn't make any of this up guys I just borrowed everybody else's material <laughs> and wove it into a unique story but that's what it's about. That's the Christmas story is in that book. But it's also our story as well. I hope you enjoyed the series we did on Theology Thursday on a nefarious carol. Three non-political questions when we come back. Some great news about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They've just expanded their coverage dramatically, which will make it easier, even easier, for more Americans to dump those big-name carriers who charge you way too much but then hate you at the exact same time. Uh, and instead, partner with a company like Patriot Mobile. It's the only conservative wireless provider. They don't believe in silencing your beliefs either. And you can also switch with confidence because you're going to get the same network that the larger providers offer, but they charge less. Switching is easy. If you want to keep your phone number, you've had it for eons like me, you can do that. Bring your own phone, buy a new one, start all over. You can do that too. Build your own bundle with multi-line discounts. Save even more. By the way, veterans, first responders, you save even more as well as a way of saying thank you for your service. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. And this month you get the free Premier activation where they set up the phone for you and you get a special gift when you use the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve or give them a call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Three hopefully good, not, I'm sorry, three non-political questions on the Steve Day Show because we need a little break, a little uh, siesta. You're not the contract you are, yeah. What's that? Um, no. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm not. That's uh, okay. Yeah. And we need a little siesta from the uh, demise of Western civilization. Question number one, what's on your Mount Rushmore of pet peeves? Uh, people who have 
Uh, people, who, when I'm driving down the road and someone is turning on to the direction I'm going and they turn into the lane that I'm in. Even though you're in the left lane? Yes. Yeah. Or, or I'm in the other lane, but they turn into the left lane. Yeah. I always think they're not going to turn sharp enough and hit me. That's one of them for sure. Okay. Um, the other, oh, when, when listeners, one of my radio mentors, multi uh, Marconi award winning program director Van Harden used to say, He's retired. He just retired uh, this year. Uh, he used to say, radio would be great if it weren't for the listeners. When you guys think you need to interpret what I meant. Oh, don't do that. I'm pretty blunt. You don't, don't, I, I know what I meant. Don't interpret it. I, I know what it meant. Doesn't mean it's right, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, subtlety is not an art form I have mastered, okay? So if you want, I'm, I'm going to probably hit you right between the eyes with it. So don't interpret my remarks. It used to drive me insane. I'd get emails. People go on message boards. Uh, here's what he meant. No, what I meant is what I said, all right? If you're going to hate me, hate me for what I said, I'm totally fine with that, just not what you think I said, okay? And then the third is... UB40's red, red wine. No, um, although that would be somewhere down the list. It was more than, actually, it's four. Four. So yeah, so yeah UB40's red, red wine uh, is a major pet peeve of I've hated that song. I mean, I, I loathe it. That and Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. I, I, I hate those songs with the heat and passion of 10,000 Sons. But the other one is If You Lie to Me. Don't. Don't lie to me. Don't. I don't. I don't handle that well. So don't lie to me. Don't play UB40's Red Red Wine or Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Don't interpret my remarks. And when I've got when I'm driving down the road, don't turn on to the near lane going the same way I am because I'm confident that you're the guy that's not going to turn sharp enough and hit me. Those are my four. Uh instant replay. <laughs> Public employees who think they're my boss particularly of the educrat kind. I like that. Um, when I'm driving at, at crosswalks and just slow walkers, I'm, I'm not going to run you down, but you have a job to do. Get out of the street faster than you are now. This, this leisurely looking at my phone, it's my right to be here. Kind of Get the hell out of here, all right? We got places to go. And Hawkeye fans. Very nice. Well done. Well played. Nice. Um, that is well played. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's uh, gratuitous explaining. Like when you're talking to somebody and they feel they assume that you don't know what you're talking about, so they just launch into an uh, an unprompted explanation of whatever it is you're talking about. Except that I also do that as well, so I can't really. I can't really say that, but anyway. So you um, are your own pet peeve? I am my own pet peeve. Yes, yeah. you annoy yourself? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Toddy's a Hawkeye fan, so there you go. Right? I, I think, <laughs> very nice. They're so annoying, he annoys he, he annoys himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. Okay. Um, I, I think for me, anybody who drives lower, uh, even, even a mile per hour lower than the speed limit, Especially when when you're driving in the left lane. I mean, that's that's not really a pet peeve. Pet peeve is kind of mild, but I guess for the, the sake of this conversation, we'll 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 go there. Um, we all re- there, represented you, the dude code, Aaron. You, we all had driving you, ones. That's you, nice. You need to go to jail or someplace worse 
for that crime against humanity. There's a stretch of road. Now, I will, I will fully admit I have a fuzz buster in my car, so I get the little whoop whoop when there's a, a police radar around. There's a stretch of road that I take fairly often to get back from work. There's a stretch there that's 25 miles an hour, even though it's pretty, pretty um, not busy. It's not very busy. Somebody was driving, I kid you not, 15 miles an hour on that road. And there were two cars behind this person. Red Rom. Red Red Rom. Rom. Indeed. Um, My car can go pretty fast. Let's just say that. Uh, And then for uh, bad smells of any type. Bad smells of any type. Uh, That's another pet pet peeve on my Mount Rushmore. Um, And... uh, See, how's that a pet peeve? I mean, no one likes bad smells. How is this translating you? Because not everybody knows that they smell bad. (laughs) (laughs) The grim... The grim gravitas of certainty with which she communicated that was impressively obnoxious. Yes. I mean, impressively obnoxious. That could very well be the most obnoxious thing that has been said on this show. And I host this show. (laughs) Okay. That's impressively obnoxious. Um, And then the fourth thing is uh, when... Um, when people don't answer three question questions. Uh, question number two, if you could choose four mid-major teams in this year's bracket to make the final four, who would you choose? Well, Gonzaga would count because they're in a mid-major conference. Uh, excluding Gonzaga. Okay. All right. Okay. I um, forgot about that. Well, Houston would be in a mid-major conference. Sure. Okay. You can go with the Houston. All right. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll choose Houston, I guess. Um, Loyal of Chicago has already done it. And with some of the players and the head coach that they have right now. So I would choose them. Got to put Drake on there, right? Um, Are we choosing based on what we think is going to happen? Or it sounded what more you like want. A, yeah, what oh, you want. Oh, that like I to, want. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I misunderstood yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. like giving like, like a huge analytical yeah, bet. Well, then screw Loyola Chicago. Yeah. You guys already got a taste of the exactly. apple. Let somebody else do it. All right. Sister Jean's great, but we did that already a couple of years ago, <laughs> right? We saw the Hogwarts Quidditch scarves. Yes. That was cool. Let's let somebody else get a chance. So yeah, let's go with Drake because they're right here in our backyard. They just signed their co- coach to a seven-year contract extension, by the way. So let's go with Drake. Let's go with um, that I want to, that I want to. Um, Let's go with Iona and Rick Pitino just because I think it would make so many people really uncomfortable. I forgot that that's what he was doing. I, I think it would make a lot of people very, very uncomfortable. Let's go with Grand Canyon because Bryce Drew's the head coach, right? Oh, those are fighting words. You're saying that right to Aaron's face? Well, I am worried about that game. Yeah, I'm properly worried Dude made one of the game. most famous shots, right? Oh, yeah. In the history of the NCAA yep. tournament. And they're trying- the best 15 seed, I think, in the field for quite a while. Uh, they might, they could be up there. I mean, they're the champions of the WAC. They're with, I mean, that's, that's usually not a league whose champion is a 15 seed. Right. Um, and mid-major. Um, does BYU count as a mid-major? Are they independent? And in, they're, no, no, they're, they're in Gonzaga's conference. Yeah, um, right? I'll take BYU. Yeah, sure. Simply because we have a uh, we have a large and loyal LDS segment of our audience, and I know it would like please you guys. So 
I'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, my depth of knowledge, I pretty much keep track of what's going on in the Power Five, but uh, other than go Drake, I'll stick with what Steve said. Yeah, for me, it's Drake. Did I'll I just get go, three or four? I think you get four. Yeah. Did I? Okay. I think um, I'll go counterclockwise around the, the bracket. I think it's Drake in the West, Abilene, Christian in the East. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That'd be a um, great story. Yeah, Loyola. Especially being Texas in the very first yeah, round. Yeah. 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 Loyola in um, the South and then in the, I guess it would be the uh, Midwest. No, no, Loyola in the Midwest. And then in the South, I'll go with Wisconsin. Question number three <laughs> in the history of. <laughs> See, that's why yeah. Water Off the Duck's back, that other one. Because I they, knew they that was Aaron gonna... showed up oh. for the President Snow tribute wearing that on fire suit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's ready to go. All right, they thank really you. Let that built up into this year. They're really getting a lot of stuff out of their system, dude. You have you have laid waste to them for so many years. Yes. They're gonna they've got they've well. got to take advantage of it while yeah, they still can. Yeah. All right, fair. Uh, question number three: In the history of fictional films, who's the best antagonist of all time? So villain, villain, yeah. Okay, best villain. I mean, Darth Vader's got to be on the list, right? But he is he is he better than Thanos? Is he better than Sauron? I was, I, I was going to get to Thanos for is sure. He better than those guys. Here's I don't the thing think with so. Sauron: is He's his really presence good. is his presence looms over the Lord of the Ring Lord of the Rings trilogy. The, one of the deleted scenes is he was actually going to ride out uh, in Mordor uh, at the final battle at the Black Gate and confront them in a physical form, mm-hmm. and then they chose not to go with that. I don't know why, but. Um, his presence looms over the trilogy of Lord of the Rings, but he's not like he is, but he isn't. I mean, it's largely our own human nature that we're trying to, to, to conquer by throwing the ring into the fire. Um, I'll go with Vader for your generation. I get why you don't understand. Okay. Sure. I mean, return of the Jedi gets redeemed. You have to understand we went three years between films and had no idea there was going to be... and Six years is basically the entire time you're in elementary school, yeah, right? Yeah. And so Darth Vader, dude, yeah. w- w- I mean, loomed large, okay? And and if you're Gen X, for sure. So Vader's got to be on the list. Um, I, Thanos, of course, has to be on the list. No question about it. So two more. Vader, Thanos... Um, you want you was this a Mount Rushmore question? Yes. No, it's just the best. Yeah, oh, it's best? Just the best. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then I'll go with Vader or Thanos. Uh, so they don't have you, to come up with you, four. You've covered that genre so well. How about I go with um, Hannibal Lecter? That's a Ooh, good one, too. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good one, too. You bet. I think the best villain, because his spirit is alive and well in real life, the best antagonist has got to be Heath Ledger's Joker. That's a great one as well. That that's got to be the best one. I was thinking about Thanos. I was thinking about Thanos, um, but he's just—he's almost too perfect, almost too perfect of a villain uh, to be considered. I I just think, I think the spirit of of the Joker—that's what makes him so terrifying. At least, uh, you know, at least if you have your eyes open in this world, is that you can see him everywhere, everywhere. You know, why I think I didn't think of him is there's a reform theologian named Gary Demar who wrote a phenomenal review of The Dark Knight when it came out 13 years ago. And 13 years? Yeah, I know, 2008. And he said that uh, basically Heath Ledger was playing the devil. Yeah. And and essentially that is who Heath Ledger played. I mean, he essentially was playing 
Can I say essentially one uh, more time? I just did. Uh, but he effectively, I changed up, uh, played the devil there. Well, you've talked about that for a lot. I, I, there's one chink in that armor that I'm, oh, that I, that, and I love that scene when, when um, it's the bat pod and the, uh, the, the um, truck that he was driving, the Joker, has been turned over. Yeah. Uh, and then he's, he gets out of it and he's got his gun and they're basically going one-on-one against each other. And when he thought, I want you to do it. I want you, like, I yep. want you, like, I, yep. he, he wants him to kill him. I, I want mean, to, wants him to cross that line. Yeah. Yes. He, you know, he, you know, he, that's a temptation. Yeah. So there's definitely the devil on that, but also there's a, there's a guy who's also like, I'm in ton, I'm in a ton of pain and I'm just gonna yeah, play out that chaos interpretation until the as well. end. So yeah, I could see that interpretation too. But that's you know that's the whole that's the Joker's entire shtick is to get Batman to cross yeah. that line. To which because that's that line is what's holding him back from the mouth of madness, basically. Hey, getting into the real estate market during any time of year or any uh, uh, economic environment can be challenging if you don't have a real estate agent you can trust. But especially in these unprecedented times, Bing. you need to make sure you have one of those. Our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust can help you find one. Here's the here's something about them. Maybe we haven't pointed out before. A lot of the agents that get recommended here actually even come out of this audience. So they're 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 folks that just believe in a lot of the same things that you do. Okay, and and since they watch and listen to the same shows that you do here uh, through the blaze, you know, they've got a lot of the same values as well. So just about anywhere you want to move in America, this is a grassroots company started by uh, Glenn Beck and some of his associates. They got tired of real estate agents who didn't deliver when needed the most and found that within our audience, they could find a lot of agents who had proven, fully vetted track records of success. And it's only grown and expanded from there. So just about anywhere in the country that you would like to move. You want to find an agent who will, yes, take charge of the situation, but then also understand who's really in charge is you. All right. Find that agent at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, uh, the name kind of says it all. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Any final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? Um, Yeah, I mean, I say the spirit of the Joker is alive and well in this culture, but what's also alive and well is the the message that's communicated at the end of the book that uh, that we just talked about, a nefarious carol. And just from just from a literary perspective, the first time I read through that, I got goosebumps, and I got goosebumps again as we were talking about it. The powerful metaphors that are not right on your nose, though, um, that. Uh, that the father, especially especially nowadays, the father does his job, comes back for the daughter, humbles himself, and then all of the other metaphors that we talked about as well. Uh, very, very powerful. Really, really, uh, really great uh, book study that we just finished up today. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. We're going to stick around you over time for our Blaze TV subscribers. Rand Paul drops the hammer on Anthony Fauci. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.